good. Welcome back. Episode 35, JR35, Process Preparation and Performance. And we have tonight a very special guest. I've been told by a lot of people, you're never going to get him on the show. He doesn't like to do interviews. Somehow, some way, Coach Scott Bailey, yep, Scott Bailey, is on the show tonight. Now, we're going to dive into a lot of stuff, JR. But first and foremost, we have to keep talking about this snow like we were yesterday. Um, my neighbor brought over his tractor today, JR. He's like, hey, I got my tractor out. Let me clean off your driveway. He goes, can you just make a, can you make me a little path that tells me where the sides of the driveway are? Because I don't see so well, right? <laughs> I was like, okay. He, he did my driveway. He did excellent. Okay. He saved me hours worth of work but my front yard was also devoid of any kind of snow for quite a long time today. And honestly, I I don't even care. It was so awesome that he came over and and took care of that. Your pipe got fixed, Yeah. but I heard, I heard that um, something else happened over at your house. We, you know, I've mentioned my neighbor on this show before, and I I don't know if he'll ever listen to these. And if he does, you know, apologize in advance. But so last night, it's about nine o'clock and all of a sudden my dog's just going berserk and I'm like, what are you barking at? You know, like he can speak English and tell me what's going on, you know? So he's like running back and forth and I finally figure out something's happening outside. And then about that time my phone rang and I'm like, okay, so what's going on? So my neighbor's like, Hey, uh, I, I didn't hit your carport, but I drove up your driveway because I could not get up mine. So, and then I just drove between the two houses <laughs> to get into my, to get into my driveway. And so I go out there and you can distinctly see now, now that we've had another 10 inches of snow, you can't, but him come up the driveway, veer around my carport and then go into the, uh, go into the backyard there. And I'm like, gee, was he goes, do you mind if I do that again? Yeah, go ahead. Why not? We'll, we'll get it on video and, uh, you know, we'll put it on whatever you want. And, but nice guy, but boy, he does some, he does some entertaining things and you know hopefully by the time this episode goes out all this snow will be melted i've had enough of snow for for uh, you know for the year but it's it's a lot it is a lot of snow well the snow is really coach bailey's fault i think that's I think i've heard that's, the rumor you've heard the rumor coach bailey welcome to the show why is the snow your fault well, I'm the guy that says if it's going to be cold, we might as well have snow. And it would have been cold for a number of days, and we were just wasting all that cold weather. So Donna <laughs> blames me. Donna says the reason we have snow is I'm the guy that said if it's going to be cold, we might as well snow. So, You know, my mother always said it was too cold to snow sometimes. And I never did really understand that. And then, you know, and I guess it's humidity and it's – Hey, I, don't, I need to be a weather forecaster. So one of us ought to be because you can be wrong all the time and everybody's still going to listen to you because about the only thing they can predict, it may, it's going to get dark tonight. And then, you know, because there's only just a couple of things that you could have a comet, you could have a meteor, the sun could explode or something. But other than that, it's going to get dark, you know, and it's, it's just, it wears me out. Just wears me out. It, it's a little, it's a little bit rough. It's, Definitely not something I enjoy. I lived in Chicago for seven years and I left Chicago purposely to get rid of part of this weather because it was not a fun place to be where the, the wind hurts your face. Like you walked outside and you're like, you felt like you were in a fist fight. And I'm like, why do I live in a place where the wind hurts my face? This doesn't make any sense. 
So I left. Uh, weather aside, schools are canceled all over the state, right? That's no big deal. I guess we're going to find out if e-learning is really a, a viable option for people. But to go along with that, JR, I want to bring up a sensitive topic that I know is, I know is Coach Bailey has worked on this a little bit just from our conversations with him. Zoom etiquette. <laughs> How to react when you're on a Zoom call with, say, I don't know, other department, teachers, administration, your boss, your boss. <laughs> your boss. Coach, Coach Bailey, what are some things that you should really focus on that maybe you should try and avoid during a Zoom meeting like this? I didn't I didn't know what type of sarcastic looks I was. I mean, I, I mean, I've sat in a lot of meetings in a lot of, you know, a lot of different boardrooms. And I get on that first Zoom meeting. Of course, you can see your face, you know. You, and I didn't know that when people started talking, I would roll my eyes or shake my head or, you know, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, I've been sitting in these meetings all these years. I must be some, they must think I'm really a sarcastic jerk because I'm looking at myself on that camera going, if I saw myself do that in a meeting, I might slap that guy. And, and, and so I had to, like right now with you two, I'm sitting here looking at my face going, God, don't do something stupid. Don't make something, you know, don't roll your eyes at JR's stories or anything like that, you know? <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, 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 I swear I didn't know. And then, after I, after it happened and I realized what I was doing, um, I told some of my buddies. And so every time we'd have a zoom meeting after that, they'd be texting me and say, Hey, you just rolled your eyes or, Hey, you just shook your head when so, and these are my bosses that are talking and I'm, or Donna says, yeah, you flutter your eyes when, when you're like disgusted with somebody that's, that's making a point. And, and so they would keep texting me all the time during these meetings that I was doing this on camera. It, it got to, I mean, I, I kind of got a little self-conscious about it, to be honest with you. But I guess since, since I ever, I've been doing this for a long time, I didn't even know I was doing it. So, you know, it's funny when we decided to start the podcast and initially we were using not something other than Zoom to where we couldn't see each other. And then what I found out pretty quick when we started using Zoom was, okay, what's in my background? You know, and then it's like, okay, what's going on? And then I'd look and go, okay, so what do I have? How do I need to arrange it? You know, and then you get used to watching yourself for a little bit. And it's, it's kind of funny. It takes a little bit of time, but gosh, the world's definitely changed. But I would say, uh, you know, if I end up uh, at a different school district sometime, I'll, I'll have you send a manual on what, what to do during a uh, – a virtual meeting for sure. But I think off the top here, what a lot of people don't know that Bill and I have come to know is coach Bailey is a very funny person. And the more I have gotten to know him, the, the funnier, some of the stories I've heard and some of the things that, that he does. What was, and what was the first, what was the very first thing I told you they are when I had you on the phone? The, the first thing you told me, I will distinctly remember this, was I was upstairs and I'll, I'll call that Zoom Room 1.0 when all of this started about a year ago. And my phone rang and I'm like, well, who's this? And so I picked it up and I said, hello. And you said, JR, this is Scott Bailey. I said, okay. And you said, well, I just wanted to let you know 
that I'm not as big a jackass as everybody says <laughs> <laughs> that I am. And I got to laughing so hard. Uh, and, you know, and it's amazing how far we've come, you know, since that, it's just that little conversation and, and whatnot. And, you know, I tell you what, coach, I, I'm going to ask you this one here for you with having all the success you've had and, you know, at Lamar came to Jeff city. What is for you like the pinnacle of all that? What, what are you the most proud of, of all of that? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I always, always thought that enough time would pass and you'd look back on it and kind of you'd come to think about what it was that really stood out to you. Um, for me, the, the biggest thing is, is when you do something with a kid or for a kid and, you know, at the time you're doing it, I mean, all those coaches, have, I think, have been in that position where you go, God, I'm just wasting my friggin' time here with this kid. You know, it's just like, is he ever going to understand and get it? And then sometime down the road, you hear from that kid and he got it. And he did something great. He did something for his family. He did something career-wise, whatever it was. He had some success. And you go, okay, all those years ago, maybe what we went through helped create the success, was part of, of building that success that that kid had right now. And most of the time, you know, most of the time, it's that biggest knucklehead that you got that years down the road, that knucklehead does something really remarkable and and you go maybe I was a part of helping that happen so I don't know what it I don't know what it is Jr but I think it's kid related somewhere I mean we're in the kid business and and so I would say it's kid related somewhere and and I don't know I probably can't point to just one thing but it's it's got something to do with the kids I would agree that's where we're in a people business you win with people you know what I mean. So, uh, it's gotta be about the people. I'll tell you one funny thing, JR. So, um, as, as most people know here, I, I got to coach my own kid and it was, it was great. And coach Bailey said something funny to my oldest son one time, because my oldest son came to him and said, Hey, Hey coach, I, I really, I want to coach. You can fix it if I'm wrong. He's like, I want to play college football. And, um, you know, can, can you talk to me about that a little bit? And Coach Bailey, I don't think skipped a beat, looked at him and said, Jake, recruiting's a lot like dating, and I'm sure you don't know anything about dating. <laughs> well, he's never, I'm pretty sure he's never had a girlfriend. So. <laughs> well, you know, us Dukes have faces built for radio, so it, it works out pretty well. <laughs> it works out pretty well. Um, Coach, I, I've told you this story, though, before, and, and I'm going to bring it up for everybody who's listening because – I read an article, I don't remember what year it was, but the article talked about you were getting done with weights and there was some fifth graders waiting to get in the weight room. And it started off with a few and it turned into what became 
a whole nother group of guys who wanted to learn about weights, but we're talking about fifth graders. And the amazing thing to me about the story was you never asked them to come there. It you also, never. It, yeah. When I went to Lamar, I went to Lamar in 2000, in the spring of 2006. So that Ben and Sam, Ben and Sam in their class was in the fifth grade. And, uh, of course, that's Ben, Sam, Jared B. Shore, Levi Peterson. That's all those guys, okay? Well, we got done with that season, and we had a really good senior class that year. When eight and four got to the quarterfinals, which was really good season for Lamar at that time. We go into the winter, and we start off season. And Ben and Sam go through youth basketball, and they get done playing youth basketball. Well, they came to me and said, Uncle Scott, we want you to teach us how to lift. And I said, well, we got off season after school. We get done about 4.30. Be at the bus barn. The old weight room was the old bus barn. It was extremely nasty, and everybody took a lot of pride in just how nasty it was. I said, be there at 4.30. That's nice. all I said. That's all I said. So Monday, 4.30, freezing cold. High school kids head out the door of the old bus barn, and there are 12 fifth graders standing there at the door. I never talked to a parent. I, I talked to Ben and Sam. I said, just be at the bus barn at 4.30. There's 12 there. So we bring them in, and we start teaching them how to lift. On Tuesday, there were 26. And here's – and, again, That's I awesome. never talked to a single parent. That's awesome. And here's the thing that I – the, probably the number one point that I tell about them, we would, we would go from 4.30 to 5.30 or 6 or whatever it was and with those kids. And when we got done and I'd open the door and they'd leave, within two or three minutes, every one of those kids had a parent pick them up and take them and leave. There was never a time that there was a kid waiting for anybody. They had a ride. They had an adult. They had somebody looking out after them. And I think that's probably if you go through and, and you see that group of class, they, their last football season was 2013. And and there's pictures on the Internet and you'll see them. They call them the motherhood of the brotherhood. And all of those kids, I mean, that come through they're, they they'll take pictures and there'll be 20 some kids in that class and there'll be 20 some moms standing behind them but the biggest key to that was not really me it was parents pushing their kid in the right direction they saw something positive even that early in what we were doing and pushing their kids towards it and all we really had to do was you know work with them and and, and the, the parents were really influential in getting them motivated to be there you know, I think people really like to be a part of something that is successful and good. And people tend to gravitate, you know, towards those things. And with what you guys did up in Lamar, I mean, we would hear about it, you know, around here. But, you know, we're not in the day-to-day the -day operations of it or kind of know the stories behind it like that. And just being able to hear that and listen to you talk about it, I mean, it, there was some good things that went on up there for sure. 100%. The, 
but the, the community, everything kind of went together. So it started with a football team and in 2007, we go 0-10 and it wasn't even a competitive 0-10. It was a, it was terrible. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, like Donna said, we, we would spend all day Sunday watching film, trying to figure out how to get a first down. We weren't even trying to score. <laughs> we were just trying to get a first down. And it was, it was, it was that bad. And from there, you know, the football team came together and then the football team and a, and a lot of the, the sports on the boys side came together and then the, the school started to come together. Then the school and the community started to come together. And then all of a sudden it was, it was rolling in. I mean, everybody was kind of pushing in the right direction to get it to where it was and to keep it there. And, and probably, you know, one of the things that defines greatness, I mean, is succession. Can you continue to be successful at, through a leadership change? And, and I always wanted to make sure that when my time at Lamar was done, there was succession that had a chance to be successful. And I think with what Jared did there uh, this past year, uh, Jared and those guys, they, they were able to kind of rebuild and create a new energy for that program. And then again, be successful at the state championship level. So I think that, that true, I don't know, that true indicator of greatness is can you go through a leadership change and still be successful? Is there that succession? I think it's from all appearances, it looks like it's going to, it's working really well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take a different track here. I'm going to read you a definition and I want to see what, what you have to say about this. And coach Duke's already laughing. <laughs> Zoom etiquette. Zoom etiquette. Okay. <laughs> this, this is the definition of a word here. Entering the owner's property without permission. What entering? <laughs> well, for me, huh? Donna says trespassing. I said coon hunting. I mean, <laughs> if, if if I were coon hunting, I guess I, I guess it's probably not coon hunting because as soon as it gets dark, a coon hunter owns the world. So. <laughs> But, you know, the, the reason I bring it up is I've heard a lot of stories. Um, the door was going to have to share something here. I can, I can tell you that it, it all starts with wanting to be prepared. That's, that's what it all starts with is I never wanted to go somewhere for a game or take our team there that I hadn't already been there and knew where everything was and knew the people because I didn't want to get caught off guard with anything. So I was always looking a season ahead or, or to see who was the, who we were could probably play. And if I'd been to their school, knew where everything was, knew the people there. And if I hadn't, we were going to go. And so sometimes when you go to these places, nobody's around. So you just got to let yourself in to figure out where everything's at. And sometimes that, sometimes that don't work out very well. 
<laughs> I mean, some, sometimes you set alarms off and you do. I will, I, I will tell you one that's funny that's actually legal. Um, <laughs> I, felt, I felt like in 2010, I felt like we were, we'd been to the semifinals twice. And I knew the team that we had coming back was pretty freaking good. And I thought, you know, I don't, I do not want to get to the dome and not know where everything is. Yeah. I don't want, I mean, and, and I wasn't that familiar with St. Louis. I wasn't sure how to get there. I wasn't sure where the hotel was. I wasn't sure where all this stuff was. And so. Anniversary. Yeah. Donna and I's anniversary is April 4th. Okay. And, and so it always kind of coincided a little bit with spring break. And so we would take an anniversary trip and go look at football <laughs> stuff. So um, one of our anniversary trips was to St. Louis in 2010, in April of 2010, to figure out where everything is. And, and I knew from what Coach Large at Cassville and people had told me, Coach Roderick at Webb, is you went in the north side of the dome. So that's where we went first. And they tell me, you just go in that loading dock and they'll take you to where all the locker rooms are. Well, we go to the loading dock and the door's locked, but they don't have that little cover on it. And I can see the <laughs> bed. I said, Don, I said, I can just take my pocket knife and we can go right in right here. And she, I still remember what she said. She says, if you break in here and get caught, they're never going to let you back in this place. So <laughs> we go all the way around and, and. I can't, the, I can't remember the building that's next to the dome, but anyway, we get in there and they're having some type of convention and we walk around long enough that we find a security guard and her name was Brenda Berryhill. And so she puts us in a golf cart and she takes us all around the dome and shows us where everything is, you know, and I still remember what she said. She said, Hey, coach Bailey, don't worry, we've done this a long time and we've never lost a football team yet. And <laughs> so she shows us where the locker rooms are. She shows us where the, where the uh, media room is. She shows us all this stuff. And anyway, we go through the 2011 season and we beat Maplewood in the semifinals at home and we're going to the Dome. We're playing Higginsville and we hop on the charter buses and we head over there. And sure enough, we pull onto the north side to the loading docks. And who walks out the door is Brenda Berryhill, comes walking out the door of the dome. We open the door up to the to the charter bus and she walks up onto the bus and says, Well, Coach Bailey, how are you doing? And my running, I can still remember. My running back, Markel White, is sitting next to me and he looks at me and goes, You know the security guard? He says, so, and so I always wanted, I always just wanted to know. And so sometimes you just had to go and do these scouting trips. And, and like I said, sometimes they were unlocked, like at the dome. <laughs> you could get it. And other times you just had to unlock them yourself. You <laughs> oh, the my goodness. I, the one thing that I know for sure is if it is a government-ran facility, Oh my if, gosh! Here we go. There's going to be an unlocked door somewhere. I guarantee yeah. you, if it's a government-funded facility, there's an unlocked door somewhere in that building. Oh I, have been, I, I have not been to very many that I could not get into. Somewhere. Uh, Coach um, Jr. and I have a surprise for you. 
We do. And I don't know if you like surprises. I have no idea. I've known you for a while. You're such a king city. Absolutely amazing. But some of these stories that Jar and I have heard, we need to have backup. We need to know if they're really true or not. So you didn't start at Lamar. You started coaching some eight man. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Well, we just. Okay, good. Well, we decided to go all the way back and find people that you've coached all along the way. And they are here with us tonight and they're going to be joining us. Hopefully Donna didn't tell you, but uh, I told them that you were telling a story. I told them that you were telling a story. I have a text thread going with them and they're like, Oh Jesus, it's going to be a while. That's what they said on the text thread. So uh, we're going to let them in right now. Um, we got Kyle Dubray, Trip, oh, Carlos, man. Brady Black, um, <laughs> Brian Williams, Jared's coming on, Ben and Sam. Uh, by the way, their phone numbers are like identical. There's only one digit separating them, so I get confused <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be here, but let's let all these guys in. This is not going to end well, Bill. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be amazing. No, this is not going to end well. Oh, we got Nick Williams in the house. Very um, good. Jared Bishore is coming. Here we go. Oh, no. What's up, coach? Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is going oh, yeah. to be bad. Oh, I think it's going to be amazing, to be honest with you. Uh, Just so you know, every one of you guys – I have dirt on every one of you guys. So if you, decide, if, you decide, if you decide to dig up some dirt on me during this podcast, it's not going to end well for you. I have dirt on every single one of you guys. Well, yep, every single one of you guys. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with a little Zoom etiquette. We're gonna we're gonna let all of you speak, and I appreciate you coming here tonight. And uh, feel free to text anybody you want. The Zoom account holds like, what, 100, JR? Oh, yeah, we can get all kinds of guys on there. We can get whoever we want on here. So feel free to send this link to whoever. Oh, um, there's a couple people that, you know, you may not want on the show, Coach. I don't know, but uh, I didn't ask <laughs> yeah, permission. Like all of them. <laughs> I didn't ask permission. I'm asking for forgiveness. So um, I've heard stories about a lot of you, okay, which is incredible, but – Let's just go through, tell us who you are. Uh, tell us when, where you were at when Coach Bailey coached you. Uh, and if you want to add anything funny, feel free to add, because JR and I have some questions for you. So on my screen, we're going to start here with Nick Williams. Uh, Nick, go ahead and uh, unmute yourself. Tell us who you are and when Coach was your football coach. My name is Nick Williams. I uh, played with Coach Bailey that just this past year at Jeff City. Um, the, I gotta say, I love this dude, man. He's probably the best coach I've ever had. Thank you, Nick. All right, Brady. Brady, where are you at? Where do you, where, where does it look like I'm at? You don't find this in Missouri. <laughs> or Kansas. Looks like Florida to me. I'm in Vegas. Oh, Vegas. City. oh I can't, I can't tell. So thanks for thanks for saving me some money, Coach, to be here on this call instead of in there on the tables. 
So I played for uh, Coach Came. Uh, I'm Brady Black. I'm from Miami, Missouri, which isn't really a place, but it's a small consolidated school. And I think we were Coach's first first uh, head coaching um, team. Correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. But uh, he he walked he walked into our program, which was not a program, and um, coach had a huge impact on on every player in the way that he he was a leader for us. And I've and I've learned as I have a 16 year old son, I've learned now that you have coaches and you have leaders. And uh, and there were some times where coach had to lead me in ways that I didn't want to be led. But now as I look back. I don't regret any of it, and a, a lot of life lessons learned just through his coaching. So, thank you for that, Coach. You're welcome, Brady. That's awesome. Trip, you're up. Unmute. Is he talking? Yeah, Trip's talking, but we can't hear him. Unmute. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, we got you, Trip. Okay, so I met I met Coach real young, and I actually I remember the day I met him. I was in third grade, and I uh, was going to get some donuts at the donut shop, and now he comes with three or four bags of donuts. Back then, this guy big, big guy could eat a lot. So he had his donuts, and I looked him right in the eye and said. What's up, Steve? For a lot of people who don't know, uh, he has a brother, Steve. And for some reason, I thought Coach Bailey was named Steven. So I called him Steven. And uh, ever since that day, um, he was coach. He was always part of the programs. Even when we were in middle school, um, we, 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 we kind of knew that he, he was our guy. He was that leader, like you said earlier. Um, so Coach Bailey, he's been in my life for a long time, and he's been uh, been a good a good coach for me for a long time as well. That's awesome. Thanks for being I'll here. Tell you, I'll tell you a story about Trip. We're at court. Believe it or not, we went to a quarterback camp one time. I don't know why. Because what? What? Yeah, we went to a quarterback yeah, I, camp. I don't. We don't. I don't know either. <laughs> but we went to Blue Springs to a, to a quarterback camp, and and. Jared's dad, Jeff, took everybody up there because I had something that I was doing in Lamar and I was going to come up later. Well, they all go check into the motel and Brett Campbell and Markel White jump in and, and take one bed and Tripp thinks that he is the king of this quarterback camp because he's got a bed to himself. But what he doesn't realize is I'm coming up later <laughs> and I'm going to be sleeping with Tripp. <laughs> So it took him a long time to figure out. We were out. We were. We had already eaten and were having ice cream later before I seen the look on Tripp's face of, "Oh hell, I'm sleeping with Coach Bailey tonight." Yeah. And and I tell his wife all the time, I slept with him first, you know. But anyway, <laughs> we're 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 in sleeping bed in the middle of the night, and I hear Tripp sit up in bed. I can feel him sit up in bed, and I go, Tripp. And he goes, Coach Bailey, I love you. And laid straight back down and went straight back to sleep. I, uh, I looked right at him 
and he still doesn't, he never remembers doing this. He sat right up in bed at quarterback camp and told me that he loved me. And <laughs> Did you say I love you too? Yeah, and I said, Trip, I love you too. And he went straight back to sleep right there in the middle of the night. That's like a baby. Oh, that's incredible. Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, tell us about yourself. My name's Carlos. I played for Coach Bailey the last uh, last time I played for him was about two years ago. You know, uh, I, he came into my life right when I was a big knucklehead, and I wouldn't say much has changed, but he definitely helped uh, cave a good path for me. And he was more than just, just a good coach. He was a good role model, someone really to look up to, and I appreciate everything he's done for me in my life. That's awesome. Thanks for being here. Coach, be sure what you got. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jared B. Shore uh, played for Coach Bailey at Lamar High School from uh, 2010 to 2014. Um, I'm pretty sure that I was the the coined term of DAF. And uh, if you guys don't know what that means, you Lamar guys know what that means. Is I was uh, I was the first one that got the opportunity to play as a freshman and, and was told that I was a dumbass freshman. Um, and so that, that term DAF comes from me, just so you guys know, uh, I think, I, I think I was also, he had another nickname for me called Jarhead too. So I guess he didn't think I was very smart, but, uh, <laughs> coach Bailey's been, a he's been a huge role model, huge mentor for me. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I got to take his spot at Lamar high school and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a crazy run, but the, the thing I hold on to the most is, you know, Coach Bailey was my coach. He's always been my coach. And I really just try to do everything I can and em embody what he's done here at Lamar um, and try to – I'm trying to one-up him, but realistically you can't be one-up because the guy has done things that no one has ever done uh, in coaching and really just in, in, in a role model sense. You know, Carlos talked about it there's been a lot of guys that he's paved the way for that he's, he's rescued out of, out of this community and, and other communities. And, you know, I, I tip my hat to him and he, he's a, he's a father figure to all of us really. Thanks so, coach. But my gray hairline, I'm looking at it here on the screen. It was about right here. <laughs> and then I started coaching guys like Jared and Carlos and now it's all the way up to here. <laughs> And if I had if I had like one more year with Nick Williams and it it's probably Hey, what was I was I the first DAF? You gotta be honest with me. Was I the first one? Was that the was I the coined one? Well the the one thing about one thing about you being a DAF is you you could actually make plays. I mean <laughs> we have some of the we have some of those dumbass freshmen that can't make a play, but so hey, you had to keep putting me out there. The funny part hey. about the, the funny part about DAF, Jared, is I actually had to go to the superintendent one time because we're in the old bus barn and we had those young guys in there. And I turned around to one of them and said, quit being a DAF and just went back to work. And, and another kid goes, coach, what's a DAF? I go, dumbass freshman, quit being a dumbass freshman, grow up, you know. Well, he went home and told his mom and his mom calls the superintendent and next day I'm I'm going, you got to be out of your mind. I'm sitting in the superintendent's office for calling a kid a dumbass freshman who is a dumbass freshman. And so sometimes, sometimes just, it works out that way. Uh, 
I will say this. Uh, as a freshman, Jarhead, um, and trust me, you earned the nickname Jarhead when you tried to drive <laughs> that car home after wreck. But <laughs> okay, you don't have to bring that hey, up. Listen, <laughs> you, you, uh, listen, you had you had you had your chance on Wyatt's podcast to tell the story the way it could that should be told, but you didn't do it. Wilk talks you out of telling it, so I'll tell it on here. We have a track pickup. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's our, that's our fundraiser in the summer. That's our fundraiser in the summer. And so before we start doing this trash pickup, I go through and say, okay, don't do this. By the way, I'm not a freshman in this story. I am a sophomore, so I'm a DAS, I guess. Yeah, you, call it. I said, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's just going to, it's not going to end well. Don't do this. Well, one of the stories I use with Jared is, I said, when you're in the back of these trucks, sit down in them. Don't sit on the edge of them. When you're driving these trucks around town, don't be speeding. Don't be doing all this stuff. And we got all kinds of examples of kids that have been, I mean, we had a kid thrown out of the back of the truck, road rash, all that stuff. I just tell this story and I'm headed up to the football field to do some work on it with a group of kids. And I turn and look as my starting running back, my returning all state defensive back is airborne going around the corner by West elementary. He's sitting in the back of the truck and jarhead gets thrown out of the back of the truck and is airborne. Now, the beauty hey, of them, your all state linebacker was, was driving the truck, just so you know, Jade Morgan. The beauty, of the, whole, the beauty of the whole thing, Jared, is you were such a good athlete that you just kind of did a backflip and landed on your feet. But I still remember the first thing you did was turn and look straight over at that field at me. And I'm sitting here shaking my head, I just told you not to do this. But he did. He did. He landed on his feet and turned and looked right at me. Oh, well you awesome. you and my father was i was with the two guys i was the most afraid of at that point so i got it from both of you <laughs> next on the list we have jacob jacob tell us uh when you uh played for coach bailey i played for coach bailey this past year with nick in oh, the same class. oh two in one class i'm sorry coach we should have hey show your face he he looks it's, like it's not working. Yeah, I'm our internet connection isn't that isn't that good. And last, last but certainly not least, on the bottom of my screen, Kyle Dubray. He has to unmute. Kyle, I can't hear you just yet. Nope, not yet. So I'm going to ask the first question if, while we get Kyle on here. Um, Coach B. Shore, Tripp, Brady, Carlos, Nick, Jacob. Whenever Coach and I would do some game planning, the only thing he would say to me, and he, it, it was like routine, it just over and over, he's like, we're going to run power right. We're going to run power right. Now I see some of you smiling. Coach has even said he's very right-handed. How much did you actually run power right at Lamar? It was the first play, every play. Didn't matter what game it was, it was the first play. 
promise you. I, I think I have the single season carries in one game off of one play, and it was power right. I, I think we ran it 32 times in one game. Nothing wrong with that. Kyle, did we get you back? Oh, I still can't hear you yet. We'll get you. Now, Coach, why why power right? Well, it kind of started with Coach Large at Cassville, and sometimes he'd only have about half a really good offensive line, so he'd put them all on one side and just run behind them all the time. And so, you know, when we started running the spin, we really didn't even have half a good offensive line. We were just trying to fool everybody on defense and trick them. And then we got better and better. And it just became – it came to the point where I'm going to take our quarterback and run behind those big guys. And, and you know, Bill, you and I talk about it. Just take their soul. Take their will. Take – just take it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. And I don't know. It just it got to a point where that's the type of football that I enjoy. Is just we're going to line up and run this play, and you know it's coming. There ain't a whole lot you're going to do about it. So. Just smash mouth football is what we called it, right? We could establish that run game. We had the game, and and yep. that was it. We we controlled the tempo and everything. Yeah, Brady, just, how did how did you like it back then? Eight man football, and what did what did that football team coming together? You talked about it do for that little town that you were talking about. Yeah, so like I said, we didn't have a program at all. Uh, we had a talented class in '02. We had Kyle DeBray, all state running back, went on and played D two ball. Could have done bigger things than that if he would have wanted to, and and we just kind of rode on his shoulders. But we had no leadership. Um, we had no leadership in that small town, and and that was what we needed. We didn't we didn't get in the weight room uh, growing up. Going through four years of high school, I think we went through three, three maybe four different high school coaches, and there was no reason for Scott to come there. Like I don't even know why he did come there, honestly. But whenever he did, whenever he did come, and we started working during the summer, he established his presence. And he established his leadership and he started creating a culture of you guys have talent, but do you have the work and do you have the drive? Because we didn't know what it took to, to, to win, you know, state championships and to go to state championships. We didn't know what it took. And it took some crazy level that we had never imagined, but, but through a process of 10 games in the off season, coach just, he whipped our butts. Um, to understand that hard work that it took and that teamwork that it took to, to be able to go and play in a state championship game. Now, Carlos, I saw, uh, I saw you smiling when we said power, right? So uh, <laughs> what, what do you got to add to this? I wasn't much of a football guy. You know, I was kind of out there just to hit people. And I remember him throwing me on offense my senior year. And that was probably the easiest play to memorize, just because I know I always had to go to the right double team with, I think it was George Weber. And it was always fun because it was mostly me doing the work and him just running. But I, it's just, that's all he loved to, to run with us. So, 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good one with Brady. Well, I've got Brady on the phone. Kyle's on here. We're getting ready to play St. Joe Christian. Um, and, and Mark Jules, their head football coach. And at that point in 2001, spread offenses weren't like they were today where everybody was doing it. It was kind of a rarity. And St. Joe Christian in eight man was completely spread and threw it a bunch. And I'm sitting here thinking, how are we going to practice to where, I mean, we're ready to play against something like this. I mean, I'm probably going to need to play scout team quarterback. And so I hid my helmet and my shoulder pads in my truck so that the, those guys couldn't see that I went and checked out some equipment to myself. And we go through the first part of practice and we get to team B and I go over and start padding up and Brady and Kyle and, and Elmer and those guys are all on defense. And I still remember the first play that I walked up to the line of scrimmage, Brady looks at Kyle and Elmer and says, steak dinner to anybody that takes his ass out. And it was on from that point. And I was running to my left one time. I was running to my left one time and there was a, somebody in front of me, it might've been Brady. And I kind of shoved him out of bounds and I turned and Kyle hit me right in the hip. I didn't have no hip pads on or anything. Knocked the wind out of me. And I get up. I don't want them to see me hurting. So I'm turned my back to him. I'm trying to get back to the huddle. And I'm trying to catch my breath. Doug Lawrence is our assistant coach. And he comes over and goes, you all right? And I'm going, stall him. Stall him. <laughs> trying to catch my breath because I didn't want him to know that I was hurt. The next day I woke up and I had a bruise on my hip that was this big. Oh, he drilled me. Uh, just team, not, team tackling, baby. Team tackling. Just, just those kind of things. I mean, we won a lot of championships, but the things that you remember are just those special moments when you're just those kind of things are just the ones that stick out to me. That's awesome. Kyle, did we get you back? Do you have some audio now? He's trying. I know he's trying. Uh, I'm going to ask the next question. And it kind of goes off of, I heard a lot of stories, read a lot of stuff about the workouts at Lamar, how hard they were, uh, how other coaches would go visit and kids were walking outside puking and then they just go back to working out. So we know about that. I want to ask is, was there a day of the week that you knew practice? You were like, I'm going to get my ass kicked today. And like, it's, it's bloody Tuesday or it's competition Wednesday or whatever. And you're looking at it going today is going to be just a thumping. What was there a day like that at Lamar that, or even back at Miami, was there a day like that? Or was that every day? Fun trip. What do you got? You're laughing. I, yeah, that's, I mean, that's freaking every day. And I, I just think it's funny because that, that sucker sitting in his sofa right now, he made me play scout team quarterback until I was a senior. I played scout team quarterback all four years. So when he showed up to practice, scout team quarterback, you had to go to work. And it's, <laughs> I played against some really mean, big dudes and, Man, some days were just tough. <laughs> Made you really think about, man, do I want to do this? Do I want to stay here and have six six and six 
seven, Ben and Sam Bailey just tearing you up. But man, I guess it's it's just all part of it, and uh, I'm glad I did it. Honestly, what he's not telling you is even after he graduated, he's still <laughs> coming back man. to play scout team quarterback for us. He still wants to come back and get in the huddle I and play scout team quarterback. It's crazy now. I want to back then. I you couldn't pay me to go do it, but now it's you miss it and you, you hear those guys say all the time, man, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And while you're in high school, you're just thinking, no way. You guys are absolutely crazy. There's no way you're going to miss it. But at, and at the end of the day, you always do. Trip was a freshman in 2011 and we're playing Maplewood in the semifinals. And I'd always tell those guys, listen, man, I know you're a freshman, but you're running a scout team for us. You got to watch film. You got to figure out what these guys are doing. You got to you got to get out on the field and you got to be able to mimic them and you got to be able to play like them. And and Khalid Higgins was Maplewood's starting quarterback. And here comes Tripp out onto the field with about four hand towels on. And and he's doing all of this stuff before we ever snapped the first play. I go, Tripp, what in the hell are you doing? He goes, well, you told me to act like Khalid Higgins. I'm a- I watched film. I'm acting like Khalid Higgins. I was Khalid Higgins that week. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did what you asked, Coach. He did exactly what I'm asking. He's out there doing all these hand gestures and stuff, and I'm going, what a – just snap the damn ball, and he's going, no, I'm Khalid Higgins. He, he's also talking trash to Zach Yokely, oh, Ben yeah. and Sam, okay. all those uh-huh. – and. Um, I, I vividly remember, because I was on that defense, uh, Trip rolling out. Of course, Trip was the best scrambler, scout team scrambler. He never did it when he actually played quarterback. But when he was the scout team quarterback, you could not catch him to, to sack him. And he was, you know, he was dipping and diving, making everyone miss. And then all of a sudden, he just gets annihilated by Zach Yokely. Or, you know, he was a two-time All-State DN. And Trip gets up, and, of course, he's holding his bag. He goes, that all you got? That all you got? <laughs> I mean, just still talking trash. And so, like, yeah, Tri- Tripp's an all-time scout team quarterback. We, we, had, a, we had a rule. We had a rule that the scout team could say whatever they wanted to say. They could talk whatever they wanted to talk, but the starters could not respond. If the starters responded, you know, I could flag them or throw them out of practice, whatever. They could not reply to any of it. They had to get used to people talking crap to them, and Tripp was really, really good at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I made I made a lot of people uh, question our friendship that week, but it's all good. <laughs> it's nice being on the scout team, and when you talk crap and they talk crap back to you, you see them run on the express while you're just standing that's, there. That's right. <laughs> that was your job. Does anybody got a story to say something uh, that you just remember distinctly, something funny that happened at practice or uh, just something you're like, yeah, I'm never going to forget this the rest of my life? Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Had had to get my better half down here to get it figured out for me. You're talking stories. That was a Sonic cheeseburger for that hit, Scott. I wasn't a steak dinner. But, uh, oh, I've got all kinds of stories. I know Scott, when he came there to Miami, I'm not sure he knew what he was getting himself into. Um, we were sure glad to have him there. Like Brady said, there was not a program. Show up late. Don't come to practice. Do what you want. Show up on Friday. And, man, when he showed up, you talk about table turn. 
I mean, it was him walking into principal's office at three o'clock and how much are we going to run at three forty for what you've done? I mean, anywhere from not going to class to being late to class, just, or you name it. Uh, and it really turned things around. I mean, it, it made, I mean, it made people better people, better men. Um, it was needed. I wish it would have been there two or three years before that, but uh, God knows what we'd have done with that deal. But uh, uh, biscuits and gravy, Scott's going to laugh. So we played, we were headed to Stewartsville to play them. I uh, had the day off from school. My mother made biscuits and gravy. To this day, I bet you have, he has not ate it on game day because we look like we're running in concrete. Uh, made it a game that should not have been a game. I'm pretty sure I was on the phone with him the other day and he asked me about when we were having it. Going to have biscuits and gravy. And we are having it tonight for dinner, by the way. <laughs> but uh, just kind of like all those other guys have said, I mean, it, you have coaches. We had a ton of them at Miami. Um, I coach high school football here at Butler and we have coaches come and go. There's a big difference in someone that's going to be a coach and then someone who's going to be more of a, I wouldn't say, I used to say father figure, but someone who cares about your kids. Um, and, and that's just a difference. By far the best coach I ever had in, in high school, college, you name it. Um, I coached Little League football and to hold my kids accountable for, uh, for their actions. And that was something we were never used to till my senior year. And it came from that guy. I mean, it was. And there's there's not a lot of people like him. There's no one that I've seen like him. I'm sure there may be someone out there, but as far as coach wise, he's a one in a kind. I just can't get him to come to Butler. <laughs> Anybody else? I got a good story. Um, this was my first freshman year. I remember I was uh, I was not not the skinniest on the team. He didn't like to run. Um, I remember every Wednesday we would go out to this dam that we have in our town and just run it up and down like 17 to 21 times. The first three, three runs that we made up there, I was dying. I got up to the top and he's like, I don't care how you get down there. So I lay down on my back, rolled down all the way to the bottom. This is, this is at least 20, 30 yards down this hill I'm rolling down. And as soon as I get down there, it's puke fest, puke rally, as we say in our town. And I will always remember that because ever since that day, my worth, my work ethic has changed. So. Yeah, Carlos, I got a, I got a uh, story kind of like yours. I was also not really the skinniest dude on the team, um, but I wasn't quite big enough to play at that linebacker spot, so they stuck me back to play safety. And uh, one of the very first practices, Coach Bailey came up and. I had on a – our jerseys were really, really short, and I had on – I didn't have a shirt on underneath, and he pinched me up underneath my jersey and said, I'd never seen a safety that was your size. And next play, I come up there, and I laid a freaking smack on some kid, and I told him I wasn't like everybody else. <laughs> hey, Nick, don't sell yourself short. You played tackle a couple games too. That, that is true. I did. <laughs> eligible tackle. We had to do whatever we had to, man. You hey, were eligible. Whatever, whatever works. And don't think I forgot about the, the two days that Jacob played center. I'm sure oh, yeah. you remember that, Nick. I mean, I, I'll, I'll never let him live that down. Coach, wow. Bailey, Coach Bailey comes in and goes, hey, Jake, I think you're going to play center. And his, I think his comment was, I, I broke out of that prison once before. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going back. <laughs> Trip, what you got? 
Oh man. Uh, I guess the, the one that sticks out to me and it's, it's, I don't even know why I remember this. I don't, um, but, but I just do. We, we got beat on a play, uh, the hitch and pitch when Jared was a senior, I was a junior, probably one of the toughest losses Lamar has ever had. And I, we've lost to Carl a couple times, but, um, at the end of the game, Buck had a, a play right up and it was the hitch and pitch and they beat us on it. Um, but then the following year, I remember we saved it. We didn't run it all year. We had it, but we never ran it. So we really started practicing um, with it in the playoffs and we still didn't run it any in the playoffs until, until a state championship game. And I just remember looking over at Coach Bailey's face when he said, I think it was right before halftime and he called on the band. It was like 39. It was a weird number. And I just remember, man, that, that number I'm not familiar with. I almost had that band memorized. I was like 39 and sure enough, it was that hitch and pitch. And I look over at him and he's got the biggest looking, I mean, the eyes you've never seen. He's just sitting there. (laughs) I don't know if he was nervous. I don't know if he was confident. I had no idea what, we were about to get into but sure enough we ran it we scored it's old johnny buck yeah never had never had completed it in practice if we completed the hitch part we never got the pitch part never Never. worked it would make me mad every day when we tried to run it just make me furious (laughs) i don't know we just is one we were playing South Callaway and 14 in the dome and we were having trouble getting the ball outside. And so we just said, let's try that hitch and pitch play. I mean, it's right before halftime and dang, if it doesn't score and I look like a friggin' genius. So you, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, you <laughs> sometimes it's better be lucky than good. Hey, sometimes. Yeah. So Jared, you taking over at Lamar, you know, take them all the way to the state title this year. Is there, was there anything, during your time here as a head coach, you've kind of thought back and be like, yeah, I could kind of see what Coach Bailey would say here or what he would do here. Well, I mean, I've, I've tried to do my best Coach Bailey impersonation, and I just don't do it as good as him. Uh, the, <laughs> you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is he has this innate ability to – I motivate a kid to work like I've never seen before. You know, I, I, I do my best and the Lamar kids work hard for me, obviously, but you know, he's taken guys that I'm not joking guys. I didn't think would ever play, not even just play varsity football, play football period and turn them into um, all state players, college players. I, I, I think the, uh, the prime example I always tell people is uh, there was a kid in my class, course we were we were the called the super class uh and actually funny story about that real quick uh we were messing up one day (laughs) we were messing up one day in practice of course you know we had some good ball players in in my class eight of us went on to play college football and and we were messing up one day in team d and he turns around and he looks straight at all of us he goes super class my ass and then just turns around and goes back to where i was like okay okay yeah you got us there (laughs) Uh, but anyway, the back to it, he, he got a kid, there was a kid in our class named Jimmy Quitzer, and, uh, you know, Jimmy was a big kid, uh, didn't really play a whole lot growing up, you know, was kind of always the second, third string guy, but ended up growing 
you know, his freshman, sophomore year, he's about six, four kid, uh, got to about two fifty, and, you know, our freshman year, I, uh, Jimmy couldn't play on the freshman team. I mean, he, he, he just was not very good. And if Jimmy was sitting here, he'd tell you the exact same thing. Um, but you know, he, we would get another year stronger, get another year bigger, you know, coach Bailey's working with him. He's working with him come around, you know, uh, his sophomore year at the end of our sophomore year, he looks at me and he goes next year, Jimmy Kweitzer is going to be our starting left tackle. And this is just after we won the first state title. And, uh, you know, he, he, I look at him and, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, there is no way we are winning a state title next year with Jimmy Kweitzer left tackle. There's just no way we're, we're just not going to happen. Um, sure enough, Jimmy shows up to work as a junior. He's six, four, he's two sixty, and he is just mowing people over. He is flat out getting after it. And by the time as a senior, he ends up earning a scholarship to go play Juco ball ends up earning a scholarship after that to go play at SEMO, uh, which was a school, the same size as Missouri state. Uh, and our senior year when we were in college, he ended up hosting a, a, a playoff game in SEMO started for them and they won that playoff game. And I mean, just from where the kid started to where the kid ended was all Scott. And, and if Jimmy was sitting there, he'd tell you the exact same thing. It's, it's crazy what he's able to done. I'm sure Tripp and Carlos have plenty of stories of guys. And, and uh, you know, Kyle, you guys probably have, have a guy that was like that at, at Miami. It, it's, it's crazy to see what he was able to do with some of those kids. And it was just his ability to motivate a guy. Um, if, I could, if I could steal that from him somehow, I would, uh, but it's it's it, it's and it's impressive to watch. Yeah, but what Jared, Jared, I'll, I'll, what Jared isn't telling you is he's already doing this at Lamar, and and Carlos was Carlos was on the last team that I coached at Lamar in nineteen, and he'll tell you that the energy level we had to manufacture it a little bit. It, from the time Carlos was a freshman to the time he was a senior, that we had to manufacture the energy in our program. It, it didn't really just kind of generate on its own. And, and so when you start to lose that influence, it, it, for me, it bothered me that I wasn't able to get that type of reaction. Well, when Jared comes in, I went back to practice one day, it was in July and it was on a Friday and you could instantly tell that the energy level was back. There wasn't, they weren't having to manufacture the energy like, like we were having to do in 19. It was coming naturally. And Carlos is sitting there nodding his head and he's telling you, we had to, we had to kind of create ways to, to make energy. Uh, in even in 18, uh, we were having to do it. And, and now, you know, it's, you watch those Lamar team, that Lamar team. Now it's, it's got a, it's got an energy level that it didn't have in the final couple of years that I was there. So he, he's probably being a little bit, he's probably being a little bit humble in what he was able to do. I, I saw it as soon as I walked into that practice in July, it was, it was completely different. So I agree. I, pr I appreciate that coach trips there in town. I mean, he sees it every day and, 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 if you were to ask, if you were to go ask, uh, go ask, go ask Case, you know, Tripp's younger brother, who, by the way, Tripp is the best athlete in your family. Oh. Um, <laughs> he threw for more yards than you did, Tripp. I know that. I didn't get the chance to throw the ball. <laughs> anyway, if, go ask Case how much he enjoyed playing for Jared as a senior compared to playing for me as a junior. And he's just, he, he'll tell you, honestly, it was different. The atmosphere was different. The, 
the energy level was different. It, it, it wasn't something that we had to, that we struggled. I mean, I felt like we kind of struggled with an energy level uh, in, in 18 and 19, especially 17, not, not quite as much um, 17. There was still a higher energy level, but it started to decline in 18 and 19. I think this past year it was a lot higher. Yeah. It dropped all of my, basically when I became a junior, it was, it was kind of hard. We'd have to fake make up the energy and want to be there, you know, and I see that the guys with Jared this year have been just, Hey, let's go to practice. Let's go have fun. They they're having fun with it. It's not just, Hey, I, I have to go to practice. It's more like I get to go. Yep. yep. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys this. Um, you mentioned what he did for kids, right? Coach. I mean that you, you mentioned that and we we've all seen that, but I'm going to speak for Jr. And I, it, that transcended into what you did for other coaches. Right. And, and I've told you this before, coach, this is not anything different that sometimes in your life, people show up and they give you that little nudge and they put you, put you in a spot to where you didn't know you could be, but you knew you, you wanted to be. And you, you help take them to that place that they should be. Right. So Jared, it's not just something that it happens for players. It happens for coaches too. And you're right. It's hard being the guy who follows the guy, right. Um, it, it's hard being that guy. Um, and I've told coach Bailey this, the difference is you get to learn all those things and then add stuff in. And I have no doubt I came and watched the team play at Blair Oaks where I'm very familiar with that facility and that field. I came and watched them play. Um, and I'll tell you, they, they looked like they were having fun. It looked like the team that I stood on the sidelines at the Dome and watched Levi play quarterback against the Blair Oaks Falcons when Blair Oaks was winning, going into the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing it. Um, yes, Coach Bailey, you made a list. Lamar made my list that day. Be, be thankful. Um, <laughs> I was not calling the defense, though. Had I been calling the defense, we might be having a different conversation today. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to put it anywhere else. Um, Still would have thrown it to Cedric a couple times, so it's not going to make any difference. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Here we go. Well, I'll, I'll chime in. I'll chime in, Coach. You know, you, you say that for you, and I'll. I'll uh, he did. He has done that for me since uh, I've been, gotten into coaching as well. You know, and just a, he's just a guy you can text and you can you can call, and he and he's right there. He'll give you your honest opinion. He's he's not going to blow smoke up your butt. You know. When I, when I called, he was the first call I, I made when I, you know, uh, was interested in the Lamar job. And, and he shot me straight on what I was getting into, on what, uh, you know, what it was going to be about and, and the things I was going to have to deal with and things that I needed to change. I mean, he, I mean, he was just straight up honest. And he's telling me things that, that you need to come in here and you need to change this. You need to do that. Uh, and if you can do that and you can reach these kids, you're going to have a success level. Um, and so to me, that's, for a guy that's had as much success as he's had at a place to be able to step back and look at it in that regard and not have any pride issues with it or, you know, wish, and he would never wish failure on me or Lamar, but, you know, it's hard for guys to, 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 you know, step out of that and be able to look at that and have the self-reflection that he did. And so it's, I mean, that's just a true testament to the type of guy he is and, and what he uh, is about. Yeah. I, I would agree. And coach, I'm just going to, we're going to finish with this because I know all these guys 
have things to do. Nick's got to get ready for some school tomorrow with Jake. You know, I'm sure they'll have some e-learning stuff they have to do somehow, some way, even though we got a foot of snow here. Coach, I'm going to tell you this much. I texted all of these guys at about five o'clock. And without hesitation, I called them. First of all, they picked up the phone. You guys need to have caller ID or something. Don't answer the phone. You don't know who they're calling. Okay. All right. No, I'm just kidding. They picked up the phone. I told them who I was. I told them what we wanted to do. And it was, oh yeah, I'd love to. Why is Scott Bailey doing an interview? That's what, that was the whole conversation out of everybody. Yeah. So when, when I, I we decided, I okay. Mean, if it were if it were somebody other than than Bill and Jr., I wouldn't be doing an interview. I wouldn't. I mean, if 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 Jacob Leonard called and wanted to do an interview, I would do an interview with him. But you know, it just if the, the guys that you know, you know, and, and you have a lot of respect for, if they want to do something, I'm all in for it. Um, that that's the reason that I'm on here is is Bill and Jr. said, "Hey, you want to come on the podcast?" And sure, I didn't expect all of you guys to be here. If I'd have known you guys were going to be here, I might have said no. Yeah, yeah I figured as much. I figured as much. Especially guys, you. Oh, <laughs> guys, it has been uh, one heck of an evening. I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, trust me, I know all about Lamar and. I'm learning more about Miami, but I knew about Lamar before I even met Coach Bailey because I'm a high school football junkie. It's my drug. It's what it is. And uh, it's great meeting you guys. You're always welcome to come on the show anytime you want, except for you, Nick. You're not allowed. Not you. Do your homework. Okay. Um, for process, preparation, and performance, I'm Duke. He's Simmons. This has been uh, Getting to Know Coach Bailey and What Makes Him Tick. Episode number 35. We're out.